Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We are of the Wise Men Say podcast. The lovely folk at Spark FM have asked myself, Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker to take this slot over the summer. We are staying smack bang in the middle of our comfort zone tonight though and discussing all things Sunderland. There's plenty to chat about after all. Over the next few weeks we'll evolve it into a bit of World Cup chat speaks about England and other countries and hopefully add a few features too. So we have an hour to fill tonight and when you need a guest to help you in that respect, i.e. gas on and on and on, <laughs> you turn to somebody like Gary Foster from the Shields Gazette, who has said before on the podcast, Gary, and I quote, I like the sound of my own voice, is that fair? Um, I do, I'm not sure anybody else does, but... <laughs> oh, we love you, I'm we ne- keep asking I'm never you about that. You're only like the seventh choice or something about, for guests tonight, so, yeah. you know, you're definitely a popular one amongst so, us anyway. So I, I made the bench anyway. Yeah, you did, I, you got involved, yeah. Um, well... I mean, I've just said you're at the Shields Gazette. Are you still there now, or have you officially left? Uh, finished officially on Friday, Ooh. so... So just winding so down. Yeah. Have you had your leave and do yet? Uh, Saturday night, unfortunately. It's coming up Saturday night. Unfortunately? So, yeah, well, th- th- I think Sunday will be a write-off, so I'm, so I'm t- not looking forward to Sunday. I'm looking forward to Saturday, yeah. but not Sunday. Must have missed that invitation, Stephen, yeah. that leaving party. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I did see last time I was on air... <laughs> Nothing. We ha- we still haven't arranged where we where we meet and where we storm at the sort. Are you trying to put a shout out on the spot to try and get some more people along? Yeah, eh? that's a great idea. idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Win that surprise tonight. Well, Win tickets to Gary Foster's <laughs> leaving. Yeah, do well. At one point, it looked like I was going to be able to hold in a phone box, but I, 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 I've managed to pay a few friends, so we're, we're, we're all right for numbers. <laughs> right. Okay. Now enough of that banter. What? Yeah. What, but what's great about being live is some breaking news. Literally, as we were walking in. And that is that Gus Poyet has signed a new contract at Sunderland. So probably all of our listenership have turned off and we're watching Sky Sports News or something now anyway. But <laughs> um, if you are listening, he's, uh, I'll read the official uh, bulletin here. says, after guiding the team of Premier League safety, yada, 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 we knew all that. He's now committed to us till 2016. Now, I was going to speak about this later on because obviously the Pochettino appointment of Spurs has been big news all day. Um, it was... Uh, I don't know, a bit of an obvious choice that people were sort yeah. of linking Poyet with that job, wasn't it? So it's a bit of a relief, this, even though I think it was only sort of at the back of your mind yeah. that, that something might happen. But, it? you know, it only needs to be at the back of your mind as a Sunderland supporter to, mm-hmm. you know, cause problems at the front of your mind. And I think that was the, the they, issue, they really. could have got him this week as well, if they went fast as well. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that was the thing. I, I think uh, there was a lot of talk about this release clause or whatever, which apparently expired on the, the 31st of June, um, which is I mean, not 31st of May, is it not this month? I thought it was, th- I think it's the 31st of June actually, but um, I'm not sure how that works anyway because a few of us were discussing it and I didn't understand the complexities of it. I don't understand whether you, you know, you know, otherwise managers would just quit all the time. A release cause, I don't know how relevant that is to do you just forgo your compensation or whatever. I don't know, but it doesn't matter now anyway because mm-hmm. he signed on and I think, um, you know, we've often said, Stephen, during the course of last season that. Yes, it was early days and the results weren't fantastic, but he was definitely the most progressive uh, Sunderland manager that we've seen. So f- for that to to come to fruition, um, and you know he's he signed the deal. Um, it's 
you know, fantastic. A lot of the national media have tried to make a story of this, Gary, almost, haven't they? Um, they keep referring back to when Poyet, he sort of almost had a little bit of a mini breakdown, didn't he, um, <laughs> after the Spurs game? Like, I think we all had a yeah, mini well breakdown did, after yes. the Spurs well, game. I think, you know... I mean, it's it's natural. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, we had Martin Smith on the podcast uh, around around the time, and he said to Gareth, um, he uh, elaborated on a point Gareth made that when things aren't going well at a football club, you know, everybody tends to see the worst in that football club. So as soon as the form picked up after that, we didn't hear any more of those sort of murmurs of discontent, did we? So I know the media have got to go with, um, you know, we work in the media ourselves, so we know we they've got to go with the story, haven't you? But uh, there was. Was it that much there, really? Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure how much there was there, but you can bet your bottom dollar that uh, Poirier and his representatives well, will have used yeah. it to get more of what they wanted than was probably originally on offer um, in terms of maybe staff that he wants in, in terms of maybe the control he wants over, because he, he, he did mention that he wanted to be manager rather than head coach, in terms of the spending money that he's going to get this summer, I'm sure all that will have come into the negotiations and the fact that his name was being linked with Southampton, his name was being linked with Tottenham, certainly it's a great bargain until for, for Gus to have and I'm sure he and his representatives made the most of that. Such a fine line, Gareth, isn't it? Because had we been relegated, suddenly Poyet might have almost been in a position where he's sort of worrying about his job. I don't think it would have been an issue had we went down. But, you know, in theory, you know, a manager one minute, you know, the, the job's in danger the next minute, like Gary said... All the negotiating power has yeah. fell onto his lap. I think as well with with Poyet, there was kind of parallels with the Solskjaer situation at Cardiff, where you know he's gone in there and we talked about it on on the podcast uh, before, where he's gone in and it's an it's a you know win win situation for him. If they go down, he can kind of hold his hands up and say, well, it wasn't my fault because this mess was there to be cleared up, and I you know it was too far gone. Poyet came in in that similar situation. He managed to get out of it. Um, I think his reputation would have remained intact, and even if we'd gone down, I think there would have been suitors in the Premier League who would have taken a chance on it. I'm not even talking about teams who are struggling against, you know, relegation next season. I'm talking about teams probably mid-table who would have happily brought him brought him on board on the basis of what he did at Sunderland in the short time um, that he's been there. So, yeah, um, you know, delight. We just it's we're fortunate now to. To be able to plan ahead, I mean, a lot of people have talked about, you know... It's a little bit of a weight off your shoulders, isn't it? Even though we said we, we keep, you know, reiterating that we think it was just at the back of our minds. We, we didn't... I didn't sense he was going to leave, really, did you? But it is... Uh, still, yeah. it's, no, but it's still a weight off your shoulders, isn't it? I mean, yeah, absolutely, yeah, it is. Um, but it's just, you know, like you say, that it's always in the back of your mind as a Sunderland supporter... You know, the worst inevitably will happen. You know, just when you think it, you know, just when you think it's safe to go back in the water, and you know, let's hope, you know, that that he's going to be here until 2016 at least, because a lot of managers don't see out those contracts for a variety of reasons. If you do well and you at a club like some lads we've seen with Pochettino, somebody will come in and yeah, take you. But that's a good that's a good thing anyway, anyway, because it puts you in a position where you're 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 further on. They're further on in there in what they want to achieve as, as as a manager, and you know that means you can attract a better manager and 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 so forth. So, um, you know, it would be a positive situation. Um, hopefully, if if down the line he did get taken off us, and not in a negative situation, the likelihood is he'd gone if we got relegated. I think he would have gone if we'd gone down. I think somebody yeah. would have taken him. Interesting. I'm especially proud of us three that we've just managed to get through that whole exchange and nobody used the word stability because that's a very a very popular <laughs> buzzword, isn't it, at the moment? Uh, right, OK. Now, if that wasn't enough news for the day, Billy Jones signed as well. So it's a good day for us to start this show, I think. So yeah, it's all right. Breaking yeah. news I saw like that, that this morning. I was thinking, oh. Well, you mentioned <laughs> it on the last podcast, don't you? Well, we, we like to remind our listeners when we're right about these sort of things. You, you, you made that shout, didn't you? So you must be happy with yourself. Um... Well, on, wouldn't I wouldn't say I'm happy with myself. All I did was... I thought you'd never shut up about it. No, no. All, all I did was moot the idea that he was available on a free. And um, he was a... You know, you're if we, if we lost, there, if we lost Bardsley, then he was an option because he, he was a full-back with Premier League experience. Similar age and, you know, he'd, he'd been playing regularly for West Brom. So um, he looked pretty good when I've seen him. Kind of very similar in style maybe to Alonso or somebody who's not that quick. Um, get likes to get forward, 
Um, bit suspect defensively, but we saw with Alonso as, as time went on, he sort of had a wobble in that spell where the whole team had a wobble, and he learned to cope with the situation and, and, and corrected some problems that he that he um, that he had. So that that I would liken him maybe to Alonso in style from the few times that I've seen him. Well, it's interesting you say that. What we've done is we sp- I spoke to Warren Stevens earlier, who was our contact for West Brom and he emailed me back let's read out some of the, the points he made regarding uh, Billy Jones he said he's an energetic fullback in the sense he's up and down the line very very comfortable on the ball so similar to Alonso on the way there like you see on Gareth um, I asked if you could play anywhere else across the back four because Gus Poyet has recently come out and said that he likes defenders who can cover more than one position uh, He Warren said that he he can play left back. A few, he's played left back a few times for West Brom, um, and while he isn't brilliant there, he almost gets through the game where you don't notice him, which isn't a bad thing. I think solid. Some people would say. Um, and then I asked him what his strengths were. He said he's a top pro, very very fit, and he seems to take mistakes on board. There was a particular game where they lost three 0 He conceded the penalty after diving in. Uh, in the area going to ground he come out spoke about that said he wouldn't let it happen again and to be fair he hasn't let it happen again apparently so generally it's, it's all positive stuff from Warren um, he's, he is genuinely disappointed that he's left so that all sounds good Gary yeah I mean uh, I haven't seen a great deal of the lad I, I know when he burst onto the scene at Crew many many moons ago now um, the big things were expected of him um, and then I think he moved to Preston after that, and then obviously the West Brom after that. Um, one or two of the things I've seen um, flying about on the internet today was um, one or two West Brom fans um, sort of trying to indicate that there might be one or two injury concerns, but um, I don't know anything about that. Well, I asked, I asked Warren about the injury concerns because, like you had sort of picked up on that in the media, um, Warren said he thought that was a bit harsh that he didn't play a lot last season because. Steve Clark preferred Stephen Reid at right back for his physical presence mm. when the ball was getting bombarded in the box and the like because apparently, despite his six foot odd frame, Jones isn't the greatest in the area, he isn't the strongest. So uh, he thinks that injury record, the, the injury, the, the perception that he is a, he's sort of a bit injury prone mm. is harsh. I asked him if he was disappointed to leave and he, he's just, you know, he, he said absolutely, um, absolutely gutted that he's left because I think there's a big rebuilding job that needs to go on at the Hawthorns there. And to lose then a player, a very capable player for free, that must hurt. And certainly, mm. some Sunderland fans might have felt that with Phil Bardsley, uh, not me particularly. Um, not the me face you've just pulled, I can tell, not you, <laughs> not you either. Not but me I mean, either. at least we've had a replacement come straight in as well, so that yeah. helps, doesn't it? Yeah, certainly. <laughs> I mean, uh, Phil, um, I'll. I'll probably shouldn't make my own feelings known on Phil on here look yes you the, should the, the guy, <laughs> please do <laughs> as long as you don't swear it's, <laughs> it's, it's a family show um, the guy's 100% there but I think over the years I remember when I, I was a kid everybody used to love 100% at Sunderland I remember like you know John Kerr was a hero uh, yeah and fair enough you do need those kind of guys in your team but I think <clears throat> we need to move on from there We over the, the last couple of seasons um, no disrespect, but I think Sunderland have had far too many what I would call championship players in the first team squad, in and around the first team squad. Um, come in, maybe do your job for one or two games, but not for a season. And my biggest criticism with Bardsley would be when we were up against it and when we were pushing on, trying to get a result. Um, and I'd level the same one at Craig Garden as well. They'd try and pull a worldie out of the bag, and you know, nine times out of ten, it wouldn't, or even 20 times out of you know, yeah. it wouldn't work. It did work at all, Trafford. It did. It, did, <laughs> well, yeah, it, it yeah. wasn't. A, it wasn't a worldly, was it? Yeah. But that's no, one, no, I, that's I agree. One game, and, and at the time, you're looking for your fullback to get down the line and put in something decent in the middle for the guys to tap the ball. And more times than enough, he'd try and cut inside and try and hit hit, hit this shot that would win the game. And he very rarely did it, and, and that used to really, really frustrate me a lot. I think to be fair to Bardsley, in some respects, so that. He really did change the um, the way he played in Poyet's system. I don't think he was as wasteful mm. um, with the ball from deep areas. Um, he, he worked the ball back inside. And you're right what you say, Gary, in that the way Poyet plays, he doesn't really... We did sort of take... We're a bit more dynamic towards the end of the season. We did take a few more shots. But he doesn't like 
I don't think he delight, likes to deliver the ball too early. I don't think he likes to, you know, it's a, it's wasteful, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's something that he definitely was guilty of. And I don't think it was. It was times know. when you were like a goal down, or it was a nil nil, and you were really chasing the game, sort of thing. And he's trying to, you know, pull this Roy of the Rovers stuff from outside about 30, 40 yards out. When Poirier's whole system was based on working it all the way up to the final third and then trying to find the gap. And he was sort of, yeah. there was guys bombing forward and he's pulling that off and it's flying at the stands and they're out of position and they've got to get back there. And, and it, it just at times it really frustrated me. And I think Gardner was guilty of the same mm. sort of thing a lot. They're gone now. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's interesting, Gareth. I mean, you know, credit where it's due. We, we spent a couple of months, certainly around December, January, where Phil Bardsley was, he seemed to be playing above himself, didn't he? I, I kept saying that I, I was under the opinion that he only plays to that standard when he has something to prove. Now, the way he sort of plateaued out towards the end of the season would suggest that's certainly right. But I think um, you've got to give him credit, Gareth, haven't you, that he's, he's made that turnaround. Because it, I think it's interesting that. Poyet, um, you know, after Adam Johnson had that great month and he won Player of the Month, and Poyet said, if we have another player do that, pull up Player of the Month performance out the bag, we'll stay up. Now, Conor Wickham did it, mm. and Bo- Poyet was right. But I think, you know, in context and in relation, Phil Barsley sort of improved himself that much. And at that time, he sort of carried a lot of his teammates around him, didn't he? But being, being a cynical hack than I am, <laughs> <laughs> was he playing for a contract somewhere? Well, no, but that's what I've just said. No, well, yeah. that's what I've said. I, I, Absolutely, I'm, I'm, and I'm not. I'm not debating the the reasons of his of his motivation. I'm just saying that you know, in hindsight, Gareth, it was a it was a factor in Sullen's upturn and form, wasn't it? Definitely, um, we, have to, we have to give him the praise for that. I think. Oh, absolutely. When I saw him at uh, there was when we played Villa away, in particular in a nil nil draw, he was he was superb, and he sort of that was a time during his was it the England cricket board like they call it, it as a period of reintegration or something like that. We'll use that. Um, yeah, that was kind of, and he kind of felt as though, you know, he was redeeming himself over that Christmas period. I think that's a good point you made, Stephen. Before Johnson had his spell, I think Bardsley did step up to the plate um, through that Christmas period, um, and was a, you know, a massively, you know, valuable uh, member of the team. Um, but he did drop off a bit um, when we lost form. A lot of players did. And then obviously he lost his place to Virginie, um and couldn't get it back, um, which is, you know, fair enough because Virginie was excellent when he went to right back. So, um, you know, I think the writing was uh, sort of on the wall. It's a good point, Gary, isn't it? Because I think um, if we, if we take Bardsley's initial um, improvement in performance levels into consideration, a lot more Southern fans will be concerned at the fact he was going to leave. Obviously, this is what I'm talking about before we signed Billy Jones anyway. Mm-hmm. But the form of Santiago Virginia at the end of the season sort of dampened those concerns anyway, didn't it? Because he looked very capable, didn't he? He looked, in my opinion, he looked a better fullback. Um, he, he, he got forward. Um, he wasn't wasteful, wasteful with the ball. Um, and he gave us another option, attacking, going down the wing and, and offering himself up. And he wasn't frightened to get the ball in tight positions um, and I think like Gareth said he deservedly stayed in the team and, and, and Bardsley for all his 100% their effort couldn't get back in I think that was justified and improved by how we played towards the end of the season mm. It's an interesting thing and we're going we're gonna to move on in a little bit but in relation to that I was speaking to the, a couple of other players who were out of contract and see what your lads think about that Jack Colback, I think a lot of people thought he would have uh, decided his future before now um, I don't think I'm b- trying to be too ITK when I say there's a, a couple of contract offers on the table for him. I believe he's on his honeymoon now. I'm going to throw my hat into the ring, so I'll probably be wrong. <laughs> um, I think he'll stay because I think, like Bardsley, if he wanted to move that much, if he decided he wanted a fresh start, would he still be around now? You know, considering he had a wedding and a honeymoon coming. Yeah, I'm I mean that's just my, you know, that's just my personal opinion. Well, I'm speculating. If if you're going to be wrong, then I'm going to be wrong with you because I know that there's been plenty of offers on the table. Yeah. Um, if he'd been that desperate to get exactly. away, I think uh, it would have been signed, sealed, and delivered long before Jack went on honeymoon. He could prove us both wrong, come back and uh, and and do a runner when he gets back and, and, and sign up for somebody else. But I think he must have been promised enough 
to get him to want to stay here. There was talk um, before the end of the season that he'd been linked with Newcastle. Um, I think they looked at the situation. Um, but I think <clears throat> it, Jack sort of seems to... Although he's from it's a lot of hassle. It's a lot of hassle, isn't it? He's always from up that neck of the woods. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's going to have to really prove himself mm. the first chance he gets if he goes in. Yeah. It, it does make things a lot difficult. Gar- I mean, Gareth, me and you speak about that a lot, don't we? And saying that for a player to move to Newcastle, you would have to be like a, an impact player almost. Mm. You need to go and hit the ground running, don't you? Now, Jack would go, and I'm sure he would do fine for Newcastle. He's, he's a good Premier Premier League player. Good, you know, he's at a good standard. However, he isn't the kind of player who's going to get the fans off the seats in the first few games, as you saw. No. If, if Newcastle, for example, were then to go on a bad run, he's going to be made yeah. a scapegoat straight away, isn't he? Absolutely. Um, I don't think that's you know Jack doesn't see doesn't come across as the kind of person who would let that phase him though I don't think that would affect his decision on whether he'd sign it's a family life and everything isn't it yeah, there's I stuff think outside there's, of you know, yeah, I think there's the other, football yeah I think there's other things outside of football but I mean he might want to stay in the North East and if Newcastle is an option and something are giving him what he wants and he might reconsider that I mean I'd, I'd sort of halfway agree with yourselves that he's probably in a situation where he's thinking you know the longer I leave it the closer I might get the what I want at Sunderland. Um, yeah. there might, it might be there or thereabouts to make him think, but maybe he's thinking, well, I'll hold on and try and get however much more, maybe if, if he wants a bit more money. Yeah. Um, which, you know, is, is is fair enough in some respect. I mean, I raised this point on Twitter um, during last season um, about, you know, um, is it how much money is he worth? I mean, you, you throw people throw money about you know when it's not yours it's easy to say we should buy this player for this much buy that player for that much you know he doesn't score a lot of goals he doesn't create a lot of goals he's in his mid-twenties you know how much are you going to pay a week for a Premier League footballer who you know scores two or three goals a season I guess the flip side of that is you don't have to pay if you get rid of him and bring someone else in there's going to be a fee more than likely you're going to have to pay signing on fee and there's a complication of settling someone else in you, so you might be better off paying that extra money to keep him at the club just for that consistency. Well, I, I think, to, in fairness to Jack, from from what I understand, he was asking for parity alongside the likes of Gardner and Sebastian Larson, who he was playing more games than them. Hmm. These guys are out the team, can't get in the team for Jack, but are running the a, a, a fair bit more money than him. Now. That's complacency on the club's part, isn't it? A yeah. young player come through the youth side. Gardner and Larson have brought in on free transfers, so they had to yeah. offer them something attractive, didn't they? Yeah, but and uh, and every player is going to, or the agents are going to find out what the other guys are on, and they're going to they're going to want parity. I mean, if, if I go into work tomorrow and find out the bloke who's doing the same job as me is on a couple of grand extra a year, then I'm not going to be happy. So it's all right seeing footballers are on too much money. But if the guy stood next to you or the guy who's behind you in the pecking order because you're playing every week on a few grand more than you, then you're going to ask mm. for a few quid more. Going back to the Newcastle thing, I think probably unfairly the problem Jack would have is that many new, until they signed somebody else, many Newcastle fans would consider that if Jack went there, he'd be a replacement for Kabai, who they haven't replaced. He's more like an Anita type player. Well, yeah, really. but in t- what I mean in terms of if they signed if they assign Jack, then they might not go for somebody to replace Kabai, oh, right, which okay. they, they've need to do. And I think fans will put their hopes and expectations onto Jack because he's the one that's come in. Yeah. I don't think that's fair because he's not that kind of player. Like you say, he's more of a neat type of player, more of a grafter, um, rather than uh, what you get with Johan Kabai. But I think the fans' expectations would be that um, because Mr Ashley's not well known for getting his wallet out, that if, <laughs> if Jack did go there then they probably wouldn't go for a Kabai replacement. So that onus would fall on him, and I'm sure he's well aware of that as well. Now, one feature we're going to do on this show over the next few weeks is speak to a couple of Premier League fans, like we do on the podcast, only we're not going to have it Sunderland-specific. We're just going to speak to a fan from each club, like a blogger or a journalist, and ask them you know, what their aspirations for the next season are, I suppose, and that's going to include the sides that have been relegated and that's going to include the sides that have been promoted, hopefully. Uh, we're going to do two every episode. Uh, we're going to do the first one now and come back to the second one in a while when we're going to come back and speak about Seb Larson as well and which players we think we should be signing. Um, now, Gary Gowers is a writer who contributes for Met- the Metro newspaper 
and for a Norwich City specific blog called My Football Writer. He's a regular guest on the show, so you're probably familiar with him if, if you are a listener, that is. And I caught up with him earlier to speak Norwich City. Also, not to spoil your lovely links, Stephen, but if you wish to interact with us, um, you can you can get us at, at Wise Men Say Pod on Twitter as well. Sorry about that, Stephen. It was a, a beautiful link. <laughs> it was textbook. That's fine. That's fine. And I've ruined it. Spontaneous as well. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, Gary Gowers. Right now, Gary, this didn't. This wasn't intentionally going to be some sort of goading exercise, um, and I, I don't want to. I, I don't want to rub it into you. But if I could just take you back to when we spoke a few weeks ago on the Wiseman Say podcast, and it was before the Norwich Sunderland game, and I yep. think it's safe to say that both you and us were very, very wary about what the what the outcome would be of the side who lost that game. As it was, Norwich won to go seven points ahead of Sunderland. Now. While Sunderland's form has rightly been appreciated, you know, by the the wider public and certainly by ourselves, I think it's fair to fair to say that the fact that Norwich only managed one point from that moment onwards had a significant exactly. had had a significant exactly. input as well, didn't it? Absolutely, mate. I mean, that's it. I think you actually hit the nail on the head. Um, so at a time at a time when you needed momentum, um, we found inertia. Actually, Sunderland did find momentum, and you know, after, after the back of that. Result where we, you know we expected, following our conversation, that we had possibly gone ahead in opposite directions. Um, we, we just flatlined completely, and the only point we got after that game was against you know ironically typical Norwich City style Chelsea away, and um, the, you know, the the last four games we had were well documented. We had four nightmare games. Um, sorry, can you hear me? Yes, that's fine. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Apologies for that. Um, yeah, so the, the last four games were well documented. Um, we, you know, we knew we had a nightmare. We knew we had to get some points on the board before then. Um, I think after we played you, we then, we then had uh, Fulham away as a, as a game that was coming up, and West, we also had West Brom. We knew we had to get points from those games. They didn't, but, but they lost. They lost at West Brom, which which is which was the um, the end of Chris Houghton. Following that, they appointed Neil Adams on the premise that he needed to get a win away at Fulham. Basically, that was Fulham away, and then we had the last four games. And he failed in that as well. So the chances kept popping up to, to get some points on the board, and, and they just didn't happen. And we ended up getting relegated because we deserved to get relegated. Do you think, regarding the sacking of Chris Hutton, um, it sort of smacked of desperation a little bit? Do you think that the idea, the logic from the board was sack Hutton before that Fulham game, get an immediate man- new manager bounce from the players, and it probably looked at that time as if three points would have kept you up, as it happens, it wouldn't have. But do you think there was no, some sort? Do you think there was some sort of thinking like that behind the board? Because it was strange timing, wasn't I think, it? I, I think you call it exactly right. I think exactly right. It was, it was almost a decision based on one game, but they 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 you know, identified the Fulham game as being the game, the game where we're going to get three points and possibly save ourselves. You know, as you say, in hindsight, we wouldn't have done. Um, and I think that I think the decision was made on the basis of that one game, and uh, actually they did play quite well that day, um, but typically didn't do enough to win. And that, that ultimately cost us. And I think I think you actually called it right. I was reading some of the stuff you've been writing online um, prior to the permanent appointment of Adams as your manager, and you were all sort of speculating in a fun way who you thought the next guy was going to be. I, I've got to say, from my perspective, I, I thought Mal- Malky Mackay had that job in the bag with his Norwich co- uh, connections and the like. So Adams has been given the job. How are you feeling? <laughs> um, mixed. I think I think it's probably the best thing to say. Uh, yeah, Malky McCoy. I think he he appeared to be a shoe in. I mean, uh, Charlie White in the Sun of the, the weekend before before the uh, Adams announcement had um, you know written a piece saying that, that Malky was the man they they identified, and it was almost a, a you know a, just a procedural thing where he would be offered the job, accept it, and then we would be on our way. Um, the rumor has it that Malky um, was number one target. Um, but Malky was, was stalling. Malky was awaiting better offers, possibly West Brom, even Celtic now. And I think they basically um, got fed up with waiting. And Adams was number two on the list, evidently. Um, not quite sure how or why, but he was. And uh, yeah, the Malky stalling, it was offered to Neil Adams, who obviously didn't hesitate. Um, it hasn't gone down well in these parts. There's an awful lot of anger. Um, there's an awful lot of, sort of residual anger over the Hooton episode. Um, 
that we, we were hoping that an appointment would come along which would sort of calm everything down, subside it a little bit. And I have to say, I think the appointment of Adams has, has just served to reignite it and uh, that there's an awful lot of discontent. Obviously, we'll wait and see and you know, a good start to the season and a lot will be sort of placated. But at the moment, um, there are a lot of question marks, a lot of question marks. So Adams was never this manager then who was sort of going under the radar a bit where, you know, sometimes you look at youth managers and, and assistant managers and you think, yeah, they, they're going to be a manager in the future um, yeah. just based on what you see of the youth players and the club and stuff. So was Adams not really ever a possible? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Little future candidate for you. No, no, I don't. I don't think it's quite the case. I, I think I mean, obviously did pretty well with the youth team, which, which won the FA Youth Cup, you know, in 2013. And, and he, he did, uh, off the back of that, he did gain an awful lot of respect. And it, it was actually well known that our chief executive, David McNally, was a big fan. Um, but I just think it just feels like it all happened a bit too quickly. Um, I think I think what we expected was perhaps Adams to um, sort of cut his managerial teeth at first in level, um, perhaps somewhere else. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Or certainly, perhaps take a step up to be assistant manager or coach of the first team. Um, instead of that, he's taken this, you know, really big step from academy coach to first team manager in the space of a, you know, a few days almost. And I think that's. I think that's the problem we have. I don't, I don't think the problem is that Neil Adams. We don't think Neil Adams is ever going to be capable. I think it's the fact that Neil Adams has gone from, from t- you know, from coaching impressionable eighteen-year-olds who'll hang on his every word to experienced pros who have been there, seen and done it, failed in many cases. Um, you know, how, how, does, how do you make that transition? I think that's the, been the biggest question mark, really. So what do you think your... What's your re- realistic ambitions now for next season? Do you, do you, are you hoping to come straight back up, or do you think you need maybe a year down there to re-stabilise, or what? Not really. I, I, I think... Um, I think we I think we need to bounce back. I, I don't think... I think if you... If you stay down there for a, a season, at, at the moment I feel it feels like we have a, a, a little advantage. We have the, obviously, obviously the financial advantage of the parachute payments, but there are others have that same advantage. But at the moment we have a, a sort of a nucleus of Premier League players in the squad. Um, it feels like you need to bounce back at the first attempt, and if you don't, then you become you become subsumed in a big old group of teams in the Championship who are just scrapping to get out. Um, that's that's my fear. My fear is if we don't make it first time, then we'll just get swallowed up in it, and it then becomes a real struggle to get out, as, as you know. Um, so my 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 personal expectation is that we'll give it everything to get back out at the first attempt, and if we don't, then yeah, you start to fear for the third. What kind of players are you looking to bring in? Then do you think what kind of players do you need? Because you you you've got you have got some quite some young hungry players out to start with, haven't you? So a little bit more experience yeah, but- or what? I suppose, the, I suppose the first thing Adams needs to do is decide who he's going to keep and who he's going to get rid of because because but to be fair there are there are one or two in there who you know you you would look to to shift on you know there are one or two who deserve a chance to stay in the Premier League I think like already it's not grasp even Martinez to be fair if they left and they left for a decent club you would you wish them all the best you know and you have to accept that there are one or two who don't deserve a move to the Premier League who would be looking for it. But there are some good young players there. I mean, as, as you already said, the, the youth team from, from last year who is really good lads in there. We've got the likes of um, Redmond, Nathan Redmond, who's uh, who's clearly a prospect, and he's one we would like to keep hold of. Um, but I think the things that they, above all, what they really need is, is someone who can score goals. It really, it really does boil down to that. I mean, we spent 15 million last this time last season um, bringing in. Two strikers, and then we all then we bought him on loan as well. And between the three of them, they scored eight goals all season. And you know, you don't need to be Lineker and Shearer to say that that, that that's that's been the problem. I think if 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 they doubled, if they'd even doubled that tally, 
I think I suspect we'd be safe and Chris Hewitt would still be in a job. So I think the big the big thing this summer for uh, for Neil Adams is to find himself from somewhere a goal scorer. And um, without that, could we could still be you know stranded in the championship this time next season. Well, I think Danny Graham's available. He's floating about, so um, that's a possibility for you. <laughs> what do you think? Do, yeah, it's, strangely, you it wasn't something most Mister Moose wanted, but yeah. But, but thanks, thanks for the heads up on that one. <laughs> uh, just finally, um, Gary, we w- w- what are you thinking about? You just mentioned them briefly there. Snodgrass and Redmond are two players that jump out of me as potential targets for you know sides like Sunderland who are mid-table who who could be looking for those sort of uh, players yeah, who, who yeah. they might think they might be available now what kind of, of price do you think it would cost to get them away and also do you think they're, they're still capable of, of, of that standard of the Premier League um, yeah I think I think they are I think they're both, they're both capable of delivering I mean Red, Redmond was an interesting one he started he start the season off um, you know, in, in brilliant form and it, it felt like he Along with the rest of the team, everything sort of went flat. And he, he, whereas in the early part of the season he was t- taking players on, you know, left side, right side, and um, it, t- towards the end and sort of t- second half of the season, he lost that ability to do pass players, take the easy option. And he's only a young winger, and that does happen to him. But um, it sort of felt like every every sort of last bit of season has just drained away from him. You know, um, but I'm sure with you know perhaps with a new challenge, perhaps that's what you know, whether that's in the championship with us or with a new team. He's capable of being a really good player. How much it would cost to lure him away from Norwich, I'm not sure. I mean, he's only in the first year of his contract. Um, but he is, he is, you know, in a nice little shop window at the moment with the under-20s, I think, with England. So um, that would take, that would take a few million to prize him away, but he, he is one that I, I would expect to be on the radar of the likes of Sunderland. Um, Snodgrass, similar, really. He, he, he's a good player. Um, he's not a great player, but he's a good player. Uh, if if he had another yard of pace, another yard and a half of pace, he would be an exceptional player, and he probably wouldn't have been playing for us anyway. But he, he would he would do he would do a good job for Sunderland, and he's a grafter, and people people warm to him because he's a grafter, and he, and he's got a um quite a sweet left foot, which which he prefers to use on the right hand side. He's one of these left footed right wingers, if you like, and he cuts inside and he uses his left foot for good effect. And um, yeah, if I were Gus Poyer, I. I'd probably be tempted to have a gamble on Snodgrass, and I, and I, I, I expect him to leave. I, I don't think um, I don't expect to start next season with Snodgrass on the side. Um, uh, Redmond uh, probably um, probably a little bit more confident of Redmond staying for perhaps one more season. Okay, apologies for the poor line there, but some interesting um, thoughts on Robert Snodgrass there from Gary Gowers. Um, Gary, is that somebody? You'll be looking to bring in. I mean, it's it's, it's natural, isn't it, when a, a relegated side, you know, when a side gets relegated, that you know the vultures start circling, don't yeah. they? Um, I I think going back to what uh, the the chap on the phone there said, uh, the thing that worries me about Snodgrass is that lack of that extra yard of pace. Um, like he says, maybe he would be an excellent Premier League footballer if he had that extra yard of pace, but I just. I just think pace is king in the Premier yeah. League, and I, I just think that uh, you probably—I don't think we should be looking. Uh, it's not grass, personally. I'm a bit underwhelmed by it, Gareth. I'll be honest. Um, not, not there's anything <laughs> solid or concrete to be underwhelmed by, but I'm just, you know, speaking, like, following on from what yeah. Gary Gowers was saying. I think it's just uh, when you look at him, he's he's a bit like a Seb Larson, really, um, and I quite like Seb, but um, you know. Similar to Colbank, if you've already got him at the club, um, then why release him and then go through the hassle of having to pay a transfer fee for somebody and um, paying signing on fee or whatever and the wage? Um, but it sounds like he'd be in the front three rather than the, the three midfield. Yeah, Gary I don't goes. think he's a dynamic enough player to play in the front three. And well, if Gary says he's lacking pace, you've, you've got problems. Yeah, there, I mean, you've got Johnson. I imagine he'd be looking, you know, is he going to. Would he be an option maybe away from home in a front three, four, five, one type system? I mean, Jack Rini's probably earmarked to fill where Barini's been left the hole. Um, if we don't replace Barini in a capacity, um, he'd be the one in the squad you'd probably think, well, we'd try and play him there. Um, I mean, he's a very different 
type of player, isn't he? Um, Snodgrass to those options. Right, OK. I want to go through some players now who are on the official Premier League website that have let their contract run down or they've been released. So they're currently out of contract, whichever way it's sort of materialised. Some interesting names. I want to know what people think about these names. If, if you've got something to say regarding any of these players, just pipe up uh, and say Arsenal... Nicholas Bentner. No, no we've, thanks. We've been there. I like Bentner. I'd like Bentner. I'll, I'll take Bentner oh, back. No. I like him. No, he's just... It's the ego has landed him. For what, he, for what he gives you, in terms of how many games where he actually turns it on and gives a top-class Nicholas Bentner performance, then it's just not enough. Mm. Not at that level. An interesting one from Aston Villa, Nathan D'Alfonso. He was... No, no, no. I was shaking his head. I'm not going <laughs> to suggest we should sign him. I, what I think is interesting is that um, he, you know, he was tipped for massive things, wasn't he? Mm. And he's been on loan at Coventry, who have confirmed that they won't be interested in signing him full time. So that's some fall, a bit fall from grace. It's not like he was pulling up trees in the Premier League. He's a Blackpool, was, wasn't he? he? He's had a few loans. Yeah. He was at Blackpool, and I think he was at Leicester. Yeah, so that's interesting. Mark Albrighton is going to. He's gone to Leicester. Leicester he signed. Yeah. yeah. Chelsea, you actually call Samuel Leto or Frank Lampard. How many of those are going to QBR? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, uh, Uncle Harry might be in for front time, Frank might yeah, be. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I think we'd, I'd be amazed if one of those players didn't end up there, but the MLS sort of screams at you when you think of those players. Yeah, I mean, Edo's going to go for another big, big period somewhere. Um, QBR would give him, to be fair. Yeah. Um, cool. Actually, cool. I still think he's a very good player. I, 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 I think he's going to be looking abroad rather than mm. rather than near I think home. I think on all of those players, you wouldn't be surprised to see them rock up in China or the America. MLS, yeah. yeah, MLS. I think uh, Mark Schwartz is on that list also. Uh, also. I think Schwartz would be a good backup. Back up, back up. We're looking for yeah, one yeah. from Anani. Um, I'd take Schwartz as a backup, mm-hmm. absolutely, for another year. Just to mention for Sam Hutchison, who's on the list, I just want to mention him because he was sort of a bit of a golden boy in the in the Chelsea youth side. He had a se- serious knee injury in 2010. He officially retired from the game. I don't know if you can remember that. But then he started studying a degree and doing coaching and all that. And then when he started, his injury started to, to repair itself and Chelsea gave him a new contract. And, you know, for whatever reason, I think he was at Sheffield Wednesday last year and he's been released now. So I, I don't expect that you guys would know that much about him, no, but I, just no. thought, just I, thought an, you know, I thought it was an interesting story that I would share. But I only kind of yeah. found out that myself today, to be honest. Didn't we? Didn't we just let a former Chelsea wonder kid go in, Billy Not? Billy Not. Who's going to be? Who's going to um, change the way we played mm. the game? Up yeah. Way, Again, I'm not suggesting we should sign him. I just thought that story was worth sharing, with people. Crystal Palace, a couple of interesting names: uh, Marion Schumacher and Spironi, who we've been linked with. As well, we'll talk to Jim about. Well, yeah, we're going to speak to Jim about that, so we, we're not going to that too much because he, I think he's fairly confident they'll stay anywhere. Fulham, Johnny Heitlinger, <laughs> 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 who um, well, it was on a very big contract, wasn't he when he went mm. there? Um, so I think he was a disappointing signing because I think a lot of clubs might have taken him from Everton on the strength. You know, he's quite well regarded internationally, and you know. Um, he was at Everton a good club and he just obviously he's gone down with uh, with Fulham in a bad defence I've got to say and this is not me having a pop with Stephen Lee because he's only put the list out that the list is what the list is but I'm looking at these list of names I'm extremely underwhelmed by Oh, yeah. exactly. I'm just uh, this yeah. is, and this is me picking out the household name. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've left out far more. You know, I've, there's probably only about twenty percent of the list here. We'd yeah. be here all night if we we're going to go through all the players. Loads of random foreign-sounding players and youth players who I've never heard of. Um, I think you know the main point of me doing this was just just say, you know there's not a lot about really. No, no I, I mean um, John Arna Reese is not an mm. exciting prospect, yeah. but but it just shows. Don't, don't think he'd sign because he wouldn't want to see Adam Johnson again. I don't think after that four one. Mm. But do you not think like just like it's so frightening? So it's so frightening how like these players have been earning a well, that's earning their corners Premier League football. But they wouldn't have. I mean, what, what you find though now, Gareth Warnie, is that there'll be newly promoted sides who will come up and. They will, they will need players with Premier League experience and again in some respects these players will have negotiating power again won't mm. they? some won't because some will struggle to get a club yeah. but there will be some like like Gary's just said I mean St- Steve Sidwell's on this list now yeah. 
he's not going to struggle to find it. To be fair, he's, well, he had a good season it. last year. Exactly, and because he's a free agent, and because yeah. he's going to have he's going to have quite a lot of offers, he can afford to ask for you know a substantial wage, can't he? Yeah, I, I would say I've, I've maybe done a disservice to the list in the in the terms of like um, Sidwell and probably Gareth Barry's probably the other, one. but they're not players that's on the need. So mm. Mm. I think Sidwell would be a good sign for Palace. I could see him at Palace. Yeah. You should have asked Jim that one. Should have. I, d- yeah. I forgot about him. I think the most alarming thing about this list is uh, I didn't know Rian- Rio Ferdinand's <laughs> middle name was Gavin. Oh, well, yeah. It's I a bit did. of a conservative... Uh, the reason I copied and pasted the full names in was because some interesting middle names in there, isn't there? <laughs> we'll have to rush through these now because we're... Here we got Davin and Gog. <laughs> yeah, I was going to bring Davin and Gog up. Anybody? Uh, because, you know, I, you know, right, any opportunity I can get to sort of have a pop at Steve Bruce and I'll, I'll take that with both hands now... You know, Steve Bruce bemoans his, his look, doesn't he, at Sunderland and yeah. says, you know, I mean, the, it was unfortunate the way that Bent and Jan both left. And, the, you know, a degree of sympathy for Bruce there. However, he comes out all the time and makes a statement, you're only as good as your centre-forwards. Now, he tried to sign David and Gog, and then he signed 18-year-old Conor Wickham. So yeah, he tried. He, so he wanted to sign that's exposing 5 million or something he wanted to Gog for, wasn't it? It was something ludicrous exactly, like that. Yeah. Well, my over-40s team's looking for a striker for next season, so if... if if he can change his birth certificate, <laughs> might get a game for us. Some interesting ones as well, Gareth. Can you see Shola? I mean, all his name. Shola there, was on there. Can yeah. you see his name? I can't see his name. Do you want to try and have a go? No, there? I don't. <laughs> Gary, I think it's for for Shola. For Shola. For Shola. For Shola. Yeah. Yeah. But did um, anybody know that? I, no. did, I did know did that Shola yeah. wasn't his. Yeah. Right. I didn't. I didn't realise until the other day that um, Josie Outlaw's first name was Josma. So mm. there you go. But I. Um, who else is on there? Stephen Reed is a funny one. <laughs> an Elka. Liam, I don't Liam, think anyone's going to be Liam touching Ridgewell's an Elka. Liam um, another one. Who's, mm. he's mm, no, no. I would again. <laughs> no, I, I need to clarify to everybody that you know I'm not. I'm not suggesting we sign these players. I just want to know what people thought. But Liam Ridgewell was a was a, a permanent fixture in the West Brom side. So it's in, it's interesting though that when they West Brom are looking to sign so many players as they're going to this season that they're letting some of these players go I'd just like to point out that I hope nobody comes up with third time lucky for the last name on this list oh dear no Ringo <laughs> yeah no please no. Think, no take Collison's going to end up stuck somewhere he is, he is. I, 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 I seen the other day when I seen Collison on, on Twitter and somebody said uh, Collison's been released and I, I actually tweeted then saying um Jack Collinson is going to be such an underwhelming signing for fans of some Premier League club somewhere. Because again, these players, these players will get fixed up, won't they, with either championship clubs or with Well, Collison, everyone was saying how great he was going to be, and then, then you know, we just didn't didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we're going to speak to Jim Daly now. It's the second part of the little feature I explained earlier on. And he's a Crystal Palace fan. He's a stand-up comedian from down that way. And he has his own podcast, five-year plan, Gareth. Yeah, they have a fanzine and a podcast. A blog and a fanzine and a podcast. You should check that out, definitely. So we spoke to him, uh, probably the surprise package of the season, uh, certainly after Pulis went. So we're going to speak to him, and this is what he said. Right, hiya, Jim. Uh, i just take you back to pod- the first time we spoke to you, back um, in... August. Just August, was it? Christ. <laughs> when we were sort of both struggling a little bit, you got your first win of the season. The couple of weeks after that, ourselves and Crystal Palace sort of became a little isolated from the rest of the Premier League. Thinking back to then, did you ever sense that Crystal Palace would be mid-table in come the end of the Premier League? No, I don't think. I don't think any of us expected that. I don't think there's any any Palace fan that would have seen that coming. I mean, we all hoped that we'd dig deep and find something to, to get us out of the bottom three, but to have to have progressed as well as they did and as quickly as they under Tulis is, I think, is is incredible and, and hence why he, he, he won the uh, the LMA Premier League Manager of the Year. I mean, it really, when you think about it, it's probably one of the greatest, I, I mean, I'm probably very biased, uh, but I think one of the greatest turnarounds in, in top flight history in terms of the speed that it was done and, and the point accumulation. You know, at one point, Palace were something like second or third on the table, you know, behind, I think, behind Liverpool. So, it's, Really, it's fantastic. You'd rather that the season is, is a bit more of a plateau and that you get, you know, regular points throughout the season rather than being so up and down. But, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't be happier. I think what I've noticed as well from the outside looking in is that Tony Pulis got a lot of criticism at Stoke for his, his style of football. Now, we, we, you know, we're not going to pretend it, 
he's he's turned um, Crystal Palace into Brazil or anything. But I've I've noticed that the the um, the media certainly and, and opposition supporters have been a lot kinder to him um, this time around. It seems a lot more romantic the job he's done at Crystal Palace, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It is, I, don't, I don't know how romantic. Uh, I think it's not as romantic as uh, a DVD and a, and a takeaway pizza, to be honest. But it's not. Um, it's certainly not as bad as it was at Stoke. But only because he hasn't. He just hasn't had the players to do that. I think Pulis is a man that just likes to get the best out of whoever he's working with. And at Stoke, he. Uh, I don't know if he inherited a team that had big men, but obviously during his, you know, he had a lot of big lads, and he used them to the maximum of their ability. At Palace, he hasn't really got any cloggers. You know, you look at our forward line, and it was Shamat and Jerome and even Murray when he came back none of them are sort of big big lads big target men so he was using Jerome to his abilities you know getting him to run the channels and then playing Shamak off him you know first time Shamak has sort of played a bit deeper in his career so Pulis I think is very analytical he does a lot of research and he knows who he's working with and then knows how to get the best out of them and to be honest that's where he's like, it hasn't been particularly pretty when he first came in he did say you know you're letting in a lot of goals and they're sure up the defence and that won't be pretty in the first few games it wasn't, you know, and I think we had the, the, the nil-nil up at your place and, and it wasn't a particularly, you know, interesting game, but that's because we needed to get a point and, and we did. And then he built on that in, in, in the weeks after that and, and started to allow the forward men to come into it more, you know, giving Shemak a bit more space and, and really using the wingers as well. You know, Balassi and Punchin uh, have gone from being, you know, sort of uh, slightly disappointing under, under Holloway into probably two of the most important players this season. What does this do to the expectation levels of the Crystal Palace fans? Because we all know that Pulis' reign at Crystal Palace at Stoke, sorry, ended because the fans, you know, they were then expectant of, you know, they were expecting Premier League survival at the very least. Now that's unlikely to happen to Crystal Palace fans this summer, but how fast around do you think that's likely to come there, where the expectation levels start to rise? Because after all, you, you, you finish mid-table. So four, four from bottom isn't particularly a, a great achievement anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, I think any, any Palace fan that's probably older than about 17 or 18 will be expecting 17th place and will take it on goal difference again because we've, we've been through so much as a club, even in the last decade, you know, two administrations uh, ne- nearly going out of business, nearly going into League One. We, we will be happy with slow progress, you know, even if that progress is, is very slow indeed. Obviously, if you build on that next season and then you've got two years in the Premier League, then, you know, I think you need to be ambitious and that's fine. And, but but Pulis is very much a man, I think, that keeps his feet on the ground. And I don't think he'll be letting anyone in the club be getting a carried away. And, and as a result, I don't should be either. I mean, we've had so many seasons of going up and going down and going up and going down. It's the first time we've ever stayed in the, in the Premier League uh, after one season. So I think we should enjoy that. You know, and 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 consolidate. And uh, I sound like a politician using all these kind of buzzwords, <laughs> but we should. I think we should try and stay here as long as possible. I think if we start to raise expectations and and you know and shoot for the moon, then uh, we might go out of orbit. Because I'm running out of analogies. I don't really know. What I'm talking about. <laughs> That's all right. Just dig, when you when you dig deep, you just look for the football cliches. We all do it. I hope you didn't miss your tube there, because I could hear something in the background. <laughs> no, I'm I'm still in the right direction, just about. <laughs> so what are you expect next season then realistic I know you've just said you'll be happy with fourth off bottom but you know the bigger picture what kind of players do you want is what what would be progress for Crystal Palace then um, well on the pitch um, a similar finish would be fantastic we'd like to see Pulis trying to play a similar sort of style to this season which has kind of been uh, counter-attacking sort of fast-paced counter-attacking football uh, they've looked to sort of play it neat and, and tidy when they can but didn't really have the players to do that so maybe if there's a couple more guys coming in the summer who are a little bit sort of more technical then, then that could kind of make the football more interesting but I still think it'll be sort of pacey counter-attacking and down the wings and that's absolutely fine I know that they're looking to make progress off the pitch they're looking to expand the stadium and really if you're going to compete in the Premier League you need to have a big stadium like that I know that the, the board are really keen on the Arsenal Emirates model of a, of a stadium that becomes self-sufficient you know whether that can happen at Selhurst I don't know and I, I know they've looked at the old um, Crystal Palace Park site but but, but that's a problem so I, th- I think that we're looking for as much progress off the pitch as we are on it uh, ideally because again like I said it's time for Palace to, to now we've stayed in the top flight to really uh, stay here as long as possible you know and Arguably, well, not arguably for me, but biggest club in South London. But but now a chance to really grow on that and, and prove it, and, and that happens as much off the pitch as it does on it. 
I was surprised at a couple of uh, players you have released in the summer. Uh, Shamak is a name that stands out, and also the goalkeeper Speroni, who we are heavily linked with up here in Sunderland. With the the the, yeah. the the general um, the they, general consensus that Gus Poyet wants to bring him in as a number two to Manoni. Thoughts? Yeah, he, I mean he, he, he's a brilliant goalkeeper. The, the, the latest is they have both been offered new deals. Um, as guys that got released, uh, or the guys whose contracts hadn't been renewed, uh, Shamak Speroni and, and Kagesho Dikajoy, who we all call KG because no one can really pronounce the name. <laughs> of um, have all been offered new deals, so they're they're in talks. But ideally, they'd all, all three of them would say. Miss Broni is a is a big fan favourite, mm-hmm. and and it, I personally think it'd be a, a bad, not but not bad PR, but I think it, it wouldn't be the cleverest move if they let him go. Uh, Pulis reportedly doesn't want to offer him a particularly long deal. He's 34, 35, so that makes sense, I guess. But then you know we've seen recently that a lot of goalkeepers come into their prime. Uh, you know, even heading towards 40. So, and Speroni has done so well this season. I mean, he's been, a lot of us weren't sure he'd made the step up, and he's been absolutely fantastic. So, I think he's earned certainly uh, a, long, a longer deal, but then obviously I'm not in charge of the club. Um, but ideally, those three would stay. Of the others that have been released, you know, Johnny Parr, Dean Moxie, Gavidon, none of them really got much game time under Pulis, so I don't think we're uh, too uh, surprised about that. Pulis does quite like like quite a slender squad though, so I'll be interested to see where he does actually bring players in in the summer. We're expecting a left back, seeing as two two of them released, and probably a forward. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where else he uh, he strengthens. Thanks to Jim there. We'll have to relegate the Seb Larson chat to next week, to next week. or postpone it to next week. It's probably a better choice of word <laughs> <laughs> because we'll um, we want to get through a couple of these questions um, on Twitter that people have been. Tweeting in as we've spoke on li- uh, as we spoke live here. So one that's standing out to me is from Robert Sinclair, who is at Robert Sinclair seventeen, and he's asked any championship players you guys want or think we should go for. Byron from Leeds would be good. He thinks. But just I mean, just on that point, what's interesting I was thinking about this the other day is when you get linked with a uh, when you get linked with a player from a side who's just been relegated. People sort of turn the nose up at it, don't they? Yeah. Um, you know, say, oh no, that's not what we want. That's not the stand-up player we want. However, when you know people aren't scared to sort of act like vultures regarding players of sides who haven't been promoted, who have just failed to be promoted, yet you know, in theory, they they should be of a similar standard, right? Yeah. And obviously, if you if you see a foreign name that you've never heard of, and they've got a lovely video mm. on YouTube, <laughs> everybody goes over the moon for them. You, yeah. you, I couldn't find a Billy Jones video <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> was there any 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 uh, championship players that stand out to you, lads? Uh, to be honest, I think it's one of those where I'd have to go yeah. in and have a. We'll be, have we'll a we'll research that probably and, and mm. possibly come up for list for next week. Sure. Yeah, the only one, um, the only one I have to think of, and I think he's probably out of Sunderland's price range. He's been linked with Liverpool, and that is uh, the the killer derby, which is uh, Will Hughes. Will Hughes, yeah, I think he'd cost yeah. a lot of money as well, wouldn't he? Bit of yeah. a gamble if he's not proven. You could, he, you know, you know what transfer he's got written all over him. It's, Go and sign for one of the top four or five clubs, and then yeah. never, never get a game ever. And then go, and on, then loan. go on loan. We might get him on loan. <laughs> yeah. <who knows? laughs> yeah, you could just tell that. So apologies for that, Robert, but none of us clued up enough to answer that um, to yeah, improvise or spontaneously yeah. answer we'll that. We have to question. brush up on our championship knowledge. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, um, we would have done that next year. We, we, we thought yeah, we were going to have to. Finally, one. finally, Kevin Burley, which is K- and he's at KB Sund. What level of improvement can we realistically hope for next season, given we won't spend huge amounts? Of course, we don't know what we will spend. depends on if they can recoup cash for like the likes of Altador, perhaps. Well, it depends who he wants to sell. Um, and if you, you know word to sell yet. Them, You know yeah. word we're going to have to use now What's so we manage to avoid? The, the S word. The S word, stability. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's unavoidable in this case, isn't it? Stabilizers are on. I think it, like we've, we've kind of touched on with Callback and Larson, the, the two maybe who you'd, you'd consider as, um, you know, people you'd keep so you didn't have to turn mm. over the squad. They'd probably be fine. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's you know, saying we won't spend a lot, you just don't know. Um, he, he might have... He might have some money there um, to spend. Um, it'll be interesting, obviously, the repercussions. The fact, he signed this new deal. What were the conditions he signed that deal on? Did he want reassurances about power in the club, which has been suggested? Did he want reassurances about having money to spend on the squad? And uh, I think he's probably going to need six, isn't he? At least you're going to you definitely need a left back. Yeah, I'd like him, I'd like Alonso to yeah, come back. You're probably going to need another, at least one other centre half, another striker. 
and you really do need a playmaker to play the way he wants to play. You need a playmaker in the middle of the park. Yeah, funnily enough, um, all this was on the agenda, but we just haven't got time to go <laughs> through it all. Smash it? through it now quickly. So, but I mean, I mean, what about Lampard? No, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't think he's probably on the uh, the kind of player that they're looking to buy. I mean, y- you've got, you know, Billy Jones there, who's. Uh, you know, all the old-fashioned who don't like these mm. for- pesky foreigners coming over will be happy with Billy Jones, aren't they? You can't, yeah. get, you can't <laughs> get more English sounding than that. He's yeah. a good old-fashioned English right back. Uh, easy Billy one, Jones. easy one for the commentators as well. But I think to answer the question, I think um, at one point this season it looked like we could finish 12th. Um, I think around 10, 12 mark without the absolute gut-wrenching. Uh, Roller coaster of the relegation dogfight that we we've been involved with most of this season. I think tenth, twelfth would be a steady improvement and uh, and go on from there. And just a season where I went off flirting with relegation. Yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, that's flew over for us in here. Apologies if it's been painful for you a lot listening. <laughs> There's loads of content we've had to miss out, and we're just warming into this still because obviously the podcasts are pre-recorded, so. More Sunderland and stuff next week, and we'll make it more interesting over the course of the summer too. And we'll do some research on obscure <laughs> players involved in the World Cup, I think. But thanks for listening tonight. Over and out.